0: Welcome to Conversation Pace, I'm your host, Brian Rossetti. In this episode, we get Blake Dirksen back on the show. Blake is a PT based out of New York City. We wanted to interview him about the free strength and mobility guide he's offering athletes and coaches on V.02. We discuss how to get it uploaded to your training calendar. You can check out the link in the episode profile too. Also, Blake is coaching his high school alma mater Indiana remotely You've never heard of this novel approach before essentially he manages the training slash programming from NYC on v.o2 and connects with the kids remotely the head coach manages practices and logistics locally and it's working they're setting school records and meddling at the state level now it's been encouraging to see how he leverages the technology to help out as many people as possible using our app. We also discussed a little bit of ankle injury um, based on my selfishness and some other you know areas when it comes to his perspective as a PT. So really hope you enjoy this conversation. Blake, welcome to the show, man. Hey Brian, how you doing? Thanks for having me. So you're back. This is the second time we've had you. I think you now have that distinction. I think we've only had Jack on twice. Nice. We did record an episode with Harvey Nelson. We haven't released it yet. That would be his second. Um, so, yeah, man, we're we're obviously big fans. So um, <laughs> we got you back for a second podcast episode. Likewise. It's an honor. Uh, you're in New York. Um, and it seems to be a heat wave now. How are you guys doing there? Good.
1: Yeah, I'm in the Upper East Side, um, biked back from work just now and uh, had to do a quick shower because it's like 95 degrees. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just ending spring right now, so it's not not quite used to this high 90s heat, but uh, it'll be here soon. So
0: good to get used to it. How's the clinic? So you guys are on the Upper East Side. Is it busy in person now? Do you Are there still clientele that, re- that are reluctant to come in or how's business?
1: Yeah, Bespoke Treatments is in Midtown. Actually, we're on 40th between uh, Madison and 5th Ave. Mm. Um, and it's been pretty steady. I mean, nice thing about Midtown is that it's just a hub. So a lot of people either uh, work around the area or uh, it's easy to get to uh, through subway or, or bus or car. Um, so we've had a pretty steady flow of clients. We've been able to bring some some new therapists on um, and we're growing. So, yeah, things have been pretty good.
0: That's awesome. And how many PTs there? At that specific location? I should
1: really commit this to memory because every time someone asks, I have to like count on my fingers. Um, I think it's seven in New York. Uh, and then we've got a clinic in Seattle and San Diego as well.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, all right, cool. So for the listener, I want to get into a couple different topics here with you. So we'll go we'll right to the chase here. Um, number one is strength exercises. You just did something really cool um, and unique for us on the app to help out other coaches and athletes. And we just released a new stats feature. So I wanted to, to mention that and um, maybe discuss, see where that goes. Ankle injuries. I'm suffering from one. Maybe that's helpful to certain listeners. Hopefully not too many in the future, but (laughs) just very interested. This is a different type of injury. I've never experienced this before. I just want to talk through. And then, as I mentioned before we started recording, most important to us is the remote coaching you're doing for your um, former high school team, your alma mater. So I want to talk about that and how that concept came to be and the success you're having. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. So let's, let's first kick off with strength exercises. So you put together a video you offered essentially a library of strength exercises to other coaches that they can access and then yeah. essentially save as favorites, right. So they can start using on their own accounts.
1: Yeah, totally. This, this strength feature came out about a month ago or so, maybe, maybe more, maybe less. Um, and it's a, it's a really nice feature on the V.app where you can go in and instead of it just being kind of this basic, uh, here's this video, here's this exercise, and in the comments having to do all your detailing. Um, the new Strength feature allows you to uh, program the sets, the reps, uh, and, and things like that to have it more like a traditional quality session in the VDOT calendar. Um, so that's been a cool feature. And what I wanted to do um, when you guys may come on for kind of the demo of that was, uh, you know, talk about why Strength's important uh, and how it kind of fits into a weekly schedule, but also uh, show them uh, how, how that Strength feature can be utilized. And just getting started can be kind of the hardest part, uh, having, having the exercises at hand. Um, that's something that I kind of realized a, a while ago is that I keep giving the same exercises out or I, I need this one here, I need this one there. So I've just kind of been creating a spreadsheet database of, of all, all the different exercises that, that I've shared. Um, a lot of them are, are lower leg uh, or, or just you know hips and, and low back down just because that's the, the, the population I focus on the most. Um, but it's pretty much got everything that you've got over, over like 250 exercises on there. Um, and that's the idea is that you have the, the program that I've been sharing with people uh, has the, has like a, a core and hips kind of template of what you could use for kind of any athlete that uh, isn't really struggling with any type of injury right now, but just a nice kind of well-rounded, you need strong core, you need strong hips when you're, if you're going to be a, a efficient kind of stable runner, these are some good exercises to do. And that program that, that I, I've been sharing with coaches is a nice template that they can save as a favorite and then start to use as, as their own. And they can kind of come through that exercise list, plug and play uh, exercises that make the most sense to them. Um, each of those exercises has a YouTube link. So if they're not really sure what that means, uh, they, they can just click on the YouTube link and see if it kind of fits what they're trying to uh, accomplish
0: with that athlete. Yeah, so the so it's access to a, a drive dock that's separate. That gives yeah. a list of all the exercises you've aggregated with links to videos, right? Sort of demoing each.
1: Yeah, and for the longest time, and still now, it's it's always been kind of this internal like thing that I've only been have had access to. And then and when we decided to collaborate on this demo presentation, I was like, why don't I just share this with everybody? So it's still kind of in that like internal for my eyes only kind of phase. I'm trying to make it a little bit more. Uh, Aesthetically pleasing, you know, uh, trying to make things a little bit more cleaned up. Um, But soon enough, it'll it'll be a a good library with, um, you know, context and explanations and um, sorting by body part and things like that.
0: Ah, that's cool. Yeah, it seems like it's been a big hit in terms of coaches leveraging this opportunity. Just you giving them access to this so that they can take a look. I think it's great in terms of demoing how you can leverage the the feature on VDOT, but then just to have you, so many coaches, including myself, um, whether it's afraid to kind of touch or lead on what types of exercises someone should be doing, when to add in weight, um, what's safe, what's not, especially at different points of their training, whether they're coming back from injury. So I wasn't too surprised to see how many coaches kind of jumped at it you know, yep. to have that expertise um, is very generous of you to kind of put it out there. Um, and so just, have you gotten any feedback? Have you, have you connected with some of the coaches or have they just kind of, yeah. they've gotten the, t- yeah, go ahead. I'm just curious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They've been great. Um, a few folks have, have dove into a little bit more specific questions, which uh, I, I look forward to answering and hope, hope other folks reach out. And, uh, they love collaborating with coaches and and athletes and, and um, just kind of sharing ideas. So there have been a few that uh, we've kind of gone back and forth on email with. And, um, yeah, I encourage it are if, if you're looking to talk a little bit of strength or strategy around that, i um, happy to communicate.
0: And what's the most common? I mean, in, off the top of your head, what's most common when a coach comes to you in this sort of instance? Like, you know, is it mostly asking about injuries or when to do strength or – how much and things like that.
1: It's usually the um, the programming of of the strength throughout the week. I think is the most uh, the most common question and the one that's kind of taken me the longest time to wrap my head around. Um, you know, when does this type of program fit into our, our weekly training cycle? I think is like the biggest question and, and rightfully so. It's a it's a complicated problem and, and the way that I've kind of rationalized it lately is that. Um, you kind of have two different types of strength programming. One is going to be, uh, and you you have two different types because one uh, stresses your nervous system less and one stresses your nervous system more. They're kind of two different uh, stressors that are happening when you have these two different types. So the first type is um, kind of more of your prehab or rehab or maintenance type work um, that isn't so much of a central nervous system stress. It's more of a tissue quality, um, muscular strength endurance type type stress. Um, It's something that you should be doing to either protect against injury, uh, or or if you're working through an injury, that would kind of fit where your, that would be where your rehab program fits. Um, And that type of of programming again, is is not as taxing on the body, uh, and you can do it more often, more frequently. And so um, I I usually start people there where they can build up a nice foundation of of strength. uh, And then we get to the other type of training, which is more of your performance type lifts, which are heavier lifts. They're more neuromuscular. Uh, in nature, they're, they're, they're more power production, there's more force production, they're, they're gonna tax the central nervous system uh, quite a bit more. And so you need to be a little bit more thoughtful about how often uh, and when you program those those harder uh, type two training sessions into your weekly uh, schedule and where they fit with a uh, harder, more intense quality session training runs. Um, all those things make a little bit more difference when you are lifting heavy and taxing the central nervous system like that. With the first type where it's not quite as intense, You can kind of, um, you know, I I know some pro runners that have been doing uh, maintenance style work uh, for a long time, their body's used to it, uh, and they do that seven times a week on top of their, uh, you know, their heavier performance cyclists on top of their, you know, two, three times a week of harder quality sessions. Um, So it's really a matter of of where you're starting from and and what's normal for you. Um, I would start out with more of that general um, maintenance type work to build up that tissue capacity and, and muscular endurance. And then. Um, start practicing the, the motor pattern and, and make sure they have good quality form on things like squats and deadlifts uh, so they can transition to some of those uh, more forceful, uh, more power-productive type, type of lifts.
0: And so the way that you look at it, there's sort of like a general foundation that could be applied, you know, more broadly. And then maybe type two is where it could vary based on the individual. Like, would you go as far as saying that there are certain individuals maybe where type two is counter or they just don't react as well? Or is that just a matter of tinkering with frequency weight, you know, how often they're doing, depending on race and age, you know, race schedule, age, et cetera. Right. I
1: think everybody uh, would benefit from the heavier, uh, lifting because you're going to get some of the benefits from the heavy lifting are increased ground reaction time or decreased ground reaction time, increased uh, lower leg stiffness. Uh, and, and so you're going to get some of these, uh, you're able to recruit faster twitch muscle fibers more easily. Uh, you just have a bigger motor pool of motor fibers to, to, to recruit from. Um, so there's a lot of benefit that can come. Now, some people are going to respond. Um, they're going to be really sensitive to that kind of training where maybe you can only do once a week. Uh, and, and that's kind of, they, they tap out after that. Other people might be less sensitive to it and require more of a dosage of that type of stimulus. Um, and then the person that it's probably not best for is someone that you feel like may be overtraining or conversely may not be recovering well enough, uh, or maybe nutrition or sleep is a factor. And if, if, you're, if you're not recovering uh, and, and not getting that, that recovery part of the cycle in, one of those things is going to have to go. Uh, And strength training is is usually the first thing that you want to take off the list uh, so that you can maintain running fitness. But generally, I think everybody can can benefit from the strength training as long as it's done safely. Um, And there are some, you know, the hex bar deadlift, um, bench, hip thrusts, those are all kind of safe uh, beginner type exercises that a runner who may not be as well versed in the gym uh, can can pick up pretty easily. Um, Just get that motor pattern down first, have someone with a a trained eye kind of watch you do those. but generally I think it's, it's, it's a good thing for everyone to implement, uh, when the time is right.
0: And then speak just a little bit to age in terms of, I've read some things where masters runners becomes more and more important yep. or some might say, Oh, I, you know, that bothers me or I I'm afraid to, to maybe mess around with, with some weight bearing stuff. Um, Is that the case or, you know, and then speak to the opposite side of the spectrum, the maybe younger athlete, like high school that, that you're working with, um, how much does it vary? Do you think?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's great for both. Um, I think it's really important from a young age to learn those skills, um, just because, you know, I, I spend all my day working in an orthopedic uh, clinic, working with injuries of, of various kinds and almost always. The answer is some form of mobility, some form of strength training, and being well versed in a gym and being comfortable in a gym, uh, knowing how to pick up a kettlebell and how to use a kettlebell or how to get under a, a barbell or um, do these certain movements and these patterns safely is uh, is really important. And uh, you're you're ahead of the game if you if you know um, how to how to work in a gym. And if, if something pops up, you're, you're able to kind of uh, manage things yourself uh, if, if if you're able to. Um, so. The younger, the better. I think you start with, like with everything, you start with fundamentals. Um, so for our freshmen right now at, at the at the high school, uh, a lot of it is just the skill work, the motor patterning, the uh, just the getting the getting used to running uh, for the first time. Uh, but our older guys are doing more advanced things, um, and so the same thing would go with with the weight room, where you have um, someone who's just starting out. You're going, you're using a dowel. You're not really using any weight. Um, going through the squat pattern going through the deadlift pattern um you're teaching someone how things should feel um you know this muscle should be working this muscle should be uh, not working and um, you're kind of pruning away and making that that, uh, that movement as efficient as possible and then you start to load it up um and then for the older population weight training external load is is like the antidote for for aging and for uh, for injuries that are almost always due. Uh, to some level because of some underlying weakness. Um, and so if you're able to build up tissue quality, um, through weight training, you're able to be more robust and more protective against those injuries. Um, and you know, osteoporosis is something that's, that's, uh, important with, with older populations. Uh, weight training is the best thing you can do for, uh, osteoporosis, for tendon health, um, for muscle health, um, and also for mobility too. Um, if you want to sit and, stretch your hamstrings for 30 minutes, um, you're going to have increased flexibility and the hamstring is going to be able to touch your toes after a while. Uh, but the the problem with just that kind of sustained static stretching is you are going to revert back to your baseline relatively quickly. And so it's good to have muscle pliability, tissue uh, pliability and work on soft tissue and, and and even mix in stretching into your routine. routine. Um, but where we see the biggest effects on long-term change in range of motion is going to be from going through these movements and taking your joints through their ranges of motion with load, start with body weight first, but then eventually load your joints uh, and and get them used to that, that range of motion and give them a stimulus uh, so that they have a reason to change.
0: Mm. Let's segue into the ankle stuff there. You talked a little bit about joints and loading and range of motion. Um, So a little bit selfishly covering um, ankle injuries today because of myself. Um, currently suffering from one. I was all about trail running recently and enjoying it so much, and then just in an instant, boom! Ankle exploded on the trail. Um, funny enough, I've, you know I've been running since fifth grade, and I've I've rolled my ankle. I've I've turned a bunch, but always just ran right out of it never had an issue just felt like man my ankles are invincible so this came as a huge surprise um why why is it that some individuals it does seem like they're they suffer with ankle injuries or they turn they roll it a lot and yep. others do bounce right out of it you know when they do get into that situation just curious what what would be the the reason
1: i think the um the degree of your sprain is probably the biggest factor uh, this time. But it was probably just a, a bigger degree of, of ligament tear on the outside, uh, which is going to increase the swelling. It's going to probably lead to some bruising. Um, but but some people are more susceptible to ankle sprains just because of their their bony architecture and mm-hmm. their anatomy. Um, you know, some folks at rest, if, if their legs are, are flat on a table, will kind of uh, their their legs will go down and will kind of um, they'll kind of supinate, so they're kind of already in that inversion position, um, someone that's a toe striker, it's gonna be a little bit more vulnerable as well, just because um, there is uh, what's called an open packed and a closed packed position in the joint of the ankle. That closed pack is where it's gonna be nice and stable. All the bones are kind of uh, real tight together. Uh, the ligaments are tight uh, and that's when you're uh, in your Dorsiflexion, like if you're doing a dorsiflexion stretch, that means that everything's really kind of locked up. Uh, the opposite would be true if your toes are pointed down and you can kind of like flop your foot around. You know, think of like a flutter kick in a pool or something. It's very floppy. Um, so if you're toe striking, um, you're kind of in that that flutter kick type position. Your ankles in that open pack position. It's a little bit more vulnerable to catching a root or a rock and just twisting over real quick. Um, so that's there is a little bit of um, genetics and architecture that, that can predispose someone to an ankle sprain. Um, and then the biggest predictor for an ankle sprain is if, is if you've had one in the past, um, those, those ligaments just aren't going to be quite as strong, they might be a little bit more lax. Um, and there can be some neuromuscular deficits there as well, where you're just not able to react quite as quickly. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things. Is, I, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, is that unique with the ankle in terms of coming back versus maybe some other areas where you can recover, strengthen and you're maybe not as susceptible or is that could that be universally applied to any to injury in terms of being susceptible in the future again? Um,
1: pretty much applies with any injury. I would say the, the ankle is, is a tough one just because your foot is what is communicating with the ground you know and so you're, it's there every step of the way. Um, if you don't ever use your upper body, then you might not ever notice like a shoulder type injury, but, but yeah, in, in general, there's going to be that, um, there's going to be that tissue uh, damage that happens. There's the body's going to repair, it's going to lay down scar tissue. Um, and then the purpose of rehab is to, to remodel that tissue. Um, it's so generally every body part, whether it's bone, which is a, is a living dynamic biological tissue, uh, or, or tendon or ligament, all these things kind of go through the same uh damage repair remodel and healing phase um but the ankle is just especially if you're a runner it's such an important uh such an important joint um it can it can if you have chronic ankle sprains it can really kind of affect things up the chain too where you're just not able to you know if you have someone with a a chronic ankle sprain they just do it frequently you might notice that their calves are a little bit smaller um, the, some of the muscles on that, that leg are a little bit smaller. They're they just not able to recruit the, the, the motor units like they do on the other side. So it's, um, it's one of those that can, can kind of be like walked off, uh, and, and a lot of people do, but it's a really important one to, to take seriously, uh, and make sure that you have like the right kind of strength in place. Um, it's not, it's not going to be like a, you know, it's not a life-threatening injury by any means, but if, if you want to be serious about running, uh, running well, you want to make sure that you're getting all the right things back in place so that it doesn't lead to things down the road.
0: Right. Right. That's a good point. I was gonna, I was gonna say, my next question was how stupid is it to be running on it? <laughs> Assuming there's no pain, but yeah. the range of motion and s- swelling is still, yeah. still not, you know, back to normal. Um, now the, the first five, eight minutes, is a little bit icky um frustrating until it warms up and then you know i've gotten into good rhythm i don't feel like i'm compensating too much but then you know the, that night or the next morning you're i'm hobbling around it's still sw- swollen there's no bruising yeah um, just curious like i don't i can't seem to get over the hump on the swelling and the range of motion you know it's still stiff and that's what worries me right yeah, um, the
1: swelling can take a long time, and sometimes it's, it's, there's no really rhyme or reason to, to when it goes away. I mean, it's, it's there initially, it serves a very important purpose of kind of protecting the joint. that puffs up, and that pressure restricts the range of motion, um, which is good. Uh, you don't want to you know, be, be continuing to injure the tissue. Uh, so it's a very protective kind of thing at first, and then it sometimes can linger for a long time. And you've, you've had this ankle sprain for a while now, and you're sort of in that um, remodeling phase, and you're kind of in that healing phase. Um, and to your original question, I, I think I don't think that it's stupid at all. I think um, getting back into the rhythm of running is important. You'd want to be smart about your programming with it, making sure that you're not you know, just jumping right into marathon training or something. Um, but yeah, I would, I would instruct someone, okay, we're going to work on these things, work on these range of motion exercises, um, and, but we'll, we'll get you back into a, a kind of a regressed training plan and get you back to where you want to be uh, as quickly as we can. Um, but this is also one of those cases where, um, I do think like a a, hand, a hands-on kind of manual session would be help helpful. Um, a, a lot of times what you'll see with an ankle sprain is there's a, a lack of eversion in that hind foot. Um, there's a the loss of dorsiflexion as is, is a big one. Um, and those are things that can kind of be cleared up with, with a good kind of manual therapy session.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask that. And then also just taping elevation, all that yeah. stuff. that yep. Most people know, but that's, you just have to continue. Yeah. and I think some of
1: that swelling too, sometimes can be just because the the joints are are still a little irritated and getting that range of motion back so that the joints slide and glide like they should um, sometimes can help take
0: that, that swelling down. Okay. Um, All right, cool. So I don't want to turn this into uh, (laughs) my own PT session here. Um, Stats. I I want to go into stats a little bit. I know you're a data guy when you first when we first met, you were helping us once again, um, give feedback on the app. Yep. Um, this was several years ago that things have come come along quite a bit since, but we're still working our way into data, um, looking at different types of data visualization and how to, how to expose that to athletes and coaches on the platform to really better inform their training or make better decisions right. um, to help analyze, not just to show data. Now we do a little bit recently with the new feature of historical training, very general, you know, you have run this many times over different periods of time. Um, you've totaled this much mileage. You've climbed this much, you know, elevation, that stuff, you know, Strava does some of that stuff. Um, right. We, we, also do some interesting things with paces, um how long you've spent at different paces, feed up progression. Consistency is another cool one that I really like. And I think yeah. it hopefully it helps individuals really commit more to logging their training. I think that oftentimes with GPS watches everything's synced and automatic and records and that sort of you know, marks that you went out and ran, and records it for you. But this takes a little bit of accountability in terms of marking stuff. Right. Complete at least now, um, so coaches can see. Um, I think this would be cool with high school athletes too to kind of make them more invested and accountable in their training log. Yep. So then coach can say, you know, maybe make some examples or show that consistency. You know, things start to happen with consistency. Look how many times we've had to modify or skip workouts. Let's improve there. Um, just curious if you've seen it. And then also what other types of data you think would be helpful, especially when you're popping in on VDOT calendars and trying to help individuals get healthy.
1: Yeah. I think the consistency piece is, is so big um, because we, we've got the, the training, you know, that we, that we do. And that's kind of what, everybody expects and everybody knows, uh, but but really, it's the it's the consistency of that training and all the supplemental work that goes on top of that. So uh, all the mobility stuff, all the strength stuff, uh, all the plyometrics metrics that we do. Um, and our high school guys definitely get that. Uh, some of the private clients that, that I coach, um, that consistency would be a, a big game changer. If we're have to, able to have some sort of visual that shows, um, you know, you were consistent with your runs, but you've really been skipping out on this, this, and this, uh, and... and you know, this this could be a reason why uh, you know things are not feeling great, or this, this sacred pain has popped up. Um, I think you know the more data uh, you have, the, the better picture you're able to um, create, and it's uh, it's important to kind of take every piece of data and, and just have that you know inform uh, the way that you think. Uh, it, it's not gonna not, not one piece of data is gonna inform like one decision, but it's nice to have a bunch of different streams of things. Uh, to try and paint a 360 view as much as you can. Um, so yeah, the SAS feature is, is, a, is a nice uh, addition uh, to, to being able to look at that athlete a little bit more closely.
0: Yeah, and we want to. I think later this year we'll. Um, we do hope. We should, shouldn't commit, but we we hope to pull in from from Apple Health their their health kit. Awesome. Um, so that will at least cover. Apple watches, Garmin Health, we haven't um, pulled in yet from that data. Eventually, we could maybe connect with Whoop, um, maybe some other services to give coaches a a sense. Otherwise, we're asking them athletes more and more to go in and maybe to log, sleep, things like that that might be helpful. I know a lot of high school athletes, they probably don't have these services. So Um, sometimes it just comes down to the coach extracting it, or we could offer maybe something that, um, allows the athlete to log that stuff. Again, it's dependent on manual. It's more and more manual. Just curious what you see type of habits with the high school athletes and maybe what might be helpful, um, in this use case. Yeah, it's,
1: um. Sleep is something that I talk a ton about, um, it, but it's, it's tough to do anything more than just talk about it right now. I'm trying to kind of layer one thing on at a time. Every season that we have together is kind of a new opportunity to put one more layer of, of complexity into our system. And, uh, uh, you know, I've only been doing this for two years now. And, and, uh, so you kind of try and be thoughtful and not do everything at once, but sleep and recovery is such a huge, important piece and, uh, being able to, uh, track that in a way that's meaningful and to look at trended trend of data, uh, and have, uh, you know, sort of a diary of you know, workouts that trend closely with your sleep and recovery scores. Um, again, it's just a, it's a nice kind of 360 view. It's, it's tough to make decisions based on any, any one piece of data or even multiple pieces of data. If you're, at the end of the day, you're, you're still working with that individual in front of you and their, their subjective experiences trumps everything, um, and, and their, their mood and, and their, um, how they're feeling that day. Um, but it is good to look at these things over time, uh, look in the past to sort of help predict what might happen in the future.
0: Yeah, so let's talk, let's let's clear this, make it clear for the, the listener, um, this is a big reason we, we brought you back on the podcast. I knew that you were doing this. Now that I, we see that you're having success, it's like, oh, we got to talk <laughs> about this now. Um, I love... You're, you're always looking to innovate. You're always looking um, for new things, to be creative, which is awesome, especially when it comes to young athletes who oftentimes aren't aren't served very well. Um, they're, they're in a, maybe a public school, which doesn't have the resources or doesn't have the expertise to really serve them well, um, maybe introduce them properly into the sport, and then serve them well when they're in it so they have – a positive association with it, or they have a positive outcome. So um, what you're doing is pretty special. I hope that other coaches kind of hear this and maybe um, just like you're encouraging coaches to do with the strength training, be creative, um, share, share ideas um, on, on the app. I thought this was awesome to kind of expose what you're doing. Talk a little bit how you make it work and the success you have, you're having. So you're based out of New York, New York city, but you're coaching your alma mater, your high school team based out of where again in in Indiana, Noblesville, Indiana, a little North. of Noblesville, Indiana. Where is it again? It's about 20 miles North of Indy, 20 miles North of Indy. Okay. And so you were obviously a a co-coach an assistant. How do you guys um, frame it?
1: Yeah, I'm a, an assistant coach, um, and there's a head coach, Bill Kenley, and another assistant coach, Jake Presky.
0: And how did this agreement, well, first of all, what's your role, and then how did the agreement come about?
1: Yeah, um, so my role is pretty much the guy behind the scenes writing the programming. Um, so it, I'll set it up with, um, with, with Bill and our former head coach, Kent Graham, uh, two years ago, Kent Graham uh, retired. He'd been a, a head coach since the, the late 80s. Um, Bill was his first class of athletes to go through. And so Coach Graham was was there for you know, 30 plus years, um, and he retired a few years ago, and, and he tapped Bill uh, to be that head coach. And um, you know, Bill came to me and, and said, uh, at, at Coach's retirement party, he said, I, I know what I do well, I, I know what you do well. Uh, I think we should you know, see if we can put together uh, a solution that makes sense for these guys and and Bill's uh Bill's awesome he's a mentor of mine he's uh he's a creative writing teacher English teacher at Noblesville High School uh big big staple of the community um and uh he uh he, he's really great at creating that that team community and, and that culture piece which is 100 necessary um and that's really what drew me to come back to uh, Noblesville to coach is I probably wouldn't be at any other high school. This is, this is something that's a total passion project and uh, has been something that has, has been a little bit of an experiment because, uh, like you said, I'm always kind of trying to tinker and see what might work. And I, I knew that the information that I was able to give would, would eventually, if it, if, it, if it fell on the right ears and fell on the right right people, they'd just take it and run with it. And with the help of Bill and with the help of, of uh, Jake and with kind of the culture that C- Coach Graham already had in place already, um, that we could all kind of bring our, our resources together and, and make something happen. And so my role is kind of that behind the curtain, writing the programming, um, making it very specific. I think the first time I talked to the guys, it was like, you know, this is a team of 30 plus people, but we're going to train you like um, you know, 10 individual kind of elite athletes. And so for our top 10 guys, it is uh, very much a, a kind of individualized approach. Um, and, and for the, the guys that are behind that, they're getting a similar type of, of, of approach as well. And so we're, we're starting to uh, starting to get our system down. We're starting to get a lot of momentum. Um, we're having success, which is a ton of fun. Uh, and, and it's a lot easier to have that buy-in when there's when there's uh, fast times being ran. Um, it's, it's fun for the coaches. It's fun for the parents. It's fun for me. Uh, it's It's been really meaningful. Um, and it's been. But it's been definitely a, a learning curve too. Like our, our first season um, was was one where we were just trying to figure out kind of how all this would work. And the biggest question for me was, you know, how hard can I push a high school athlete? And um, we found that answer out uh, for better or worse. You know, <laughs> I was kind of taking my college training and retrofitting it to what we had done uh, uh, to the high schoolers. And um, for some folks, the, for the older guys, that worked well. And for the other guys. Uh, it might've been a little bit too much. And so it's, it's important to kind of know where those lines are. Uh, it's also important to understand that there's a big difference between a 14-year-old freshman and a 17, 18-year-old senior. Just developmentally, there's a huge amount of change that happens. Um, and, and so knowing how to regress and and give the freshmen what they need and the, the seniors what they need uh, has been a really a big and important lesson. Um, but now we're to the point where I feel like now we're to the point where I feel like if we have a, f- a freshman joining us um, by the time that they're seniors, they should be they should be really good runners. I think we've got a nice kind of well-rounded system in place and uh, a good culture to kind of build
0: from. Uh, how many boys on the team? Can you, you can hear me? Hear. I can hear you. Yep. How many boys?
1: I got an echo there, Blake. What? Your, your headphones died out. I guess. Let me see. Okay. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm not, not sure what happened. No worries. Um, I, I marked it. Don't worry. Um, okay. okay. So I'll jump in again. How many boys on the team? Um, about 30, 35. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a nice yeah. size program. Yeah. Um, so let me, I just want to unpack a bunch of things here that, based on what you said. So you, how often are you interacting with the kids on the team? Is it, is it just through the app? I know you had camp, so you got to spend some time with them before the season. Um, But how do you interact on a week, you know, month to month basis?
1: Yeah. Week to week, day to day, it's going to be following up with them through text or video or phone call um, asking how the quality session went, um, asking how they're feeling. uh, And that's kind of guiding me for the next workout. Um, I generally have a, have a decent kind of scaffold in place for the training that we do, but everything could turn at, at any moment just kind of based on how they respond. And so that, that weekly, daily communication is, is hugely important. Um, I would never say that uh, the remote coaching is uh, better or, or ideal, but it, it's the system that we have right now, and it's, uh, it's, it's working well. And, but it relies on that communication and that trust. Uh, and, and so me being able to communicate with them, after their hard workouts. And even in between, you know, like high school is such a kind of chaotic environment where they might have AP tests or they might have SAT tests or, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on and can interfere with their fatigue levels. Um, So it's a pretty consistent communication that has to happen. Um, And then I fly back for their big meets. So we had two milers, one two miler and our four by eight team was qualified for the state meet. So I was back there for their sectionals. A couple of weeks ago, and then I'll be traveling to Bloomington, uh, Indiana to go watch them race next week. So I fly back for the big meets, uh, which is always a ton of fun for me. And um, then we have our um, summer training camps uh, down in southern Indiana. Um, it's about a week long where we're just living the, the, the tent and uh, bonfire lifestyle for about four or five days and uh, fighting raccoons and, and uh, braving the weather. Uh, and the dads <laughs> come down and uh, the alumni come down. So uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: That's cool, man! Wow, impressive that you're getting out to see some of the meets too. Um, So it's you're interacting with the kids. It's not just here's the season plan. Local coaches keep me posted. I can make a few updates based on what you're seeing on the ground. You're you're interacting directly with them. It's not just a check in with the coaches, the local coaches.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's there is some silver lining to being remote. I think it's important. In some ways, for the athletes and the coaches to um, be able to make decisions based on what they're feeling that day, um, you know. And so if I were there on, on the ground, I'd be you know pulling people or maybe changing up the workout real quick. Um, and, and now those guys are by necessity having to kind of learn those skills on their own which is a huge part of, of, of training uh, in college and, and on your own later. Um, so it's, it's never been this kind of fear-driven, uh, you, you gotta run this eight to 400 under 60 or your cut kind of thing. It's always like, you know, what's the purpose of today? Um, you know, times, are, times are important, but we don't stress times a whole lot. Uh, it's really about the intensity and, and kind of the feeling that we're trying to get for that day. Um, and, and a lot of that is just gonna have to come from them just practicing and practicing those paces and being honest with how they're feeling during, during each session. And, um, you know, you, you could worry that that might lead to some people slacking off, but what we found is that these guys are, have self-selected themselves into a, a group of, of, just really dedicated, uh, just athletes that are, that are really serious about it. And, uh, you know, being remote, I'm not able to give them like brochures every day or say, this is, this is our lecture for today about nutrition. And so, Um, it's kind of been this model where I'm going to put it all out there for you. And and whoever wants to, wants more information, it's there for you. Uh, and we can always have these conversations and, um, and and every season I'm going to try and bring something new. Um, and so we've kind of got this nice bare bones structure of what a a program needs. And I I tell them that it needs, um, the right, right physical training, uh, needs the right mental training, needs the right nutrition, needs the right, um, recovery. And it needs the right team, and the right culture, the right, right people to do it for and with. Um, so we've got a, a, most of those down, but it would be really nice to, uh, and that's the plan for the future, is to start to um, carve out some some more resources in the nutrition and in that recovery space.
0: Have you guys butted heads at all in terms of training, like training theory, or like coaches on the ground? Was have there been instances where, like, well, Blake, that? That workout was way off, you know, like with guys struggling, they were, you know, complaining or how is or they really just kind of handed the keys to you and they're there to motivate, make sure the kids are on time, they're at practice, they're doing following the workout properly or has it been more of a collaboration on adjusting the training and hey, what about this, Blake? Just curious. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's really been no headbutting. We're, we're all super close and uh, have a ton of respect for each other, for the, for the coaches. And, um, I think the way that we frame it is there's no one workout that's going to make or break our season. It's really just about being consistent and running hard on some days, running easier on the other days. And, and, um, you know, every, every workout has a purpose, um, but, but being really strict and being uh, upset if things don't go right has never really been our style. Um, and so. Uh, I, have really been given the keys to the programming piece of it, but when it comes to actually executing the workout, you know, uh, whatever happens, things, things change and, you know, there's, there's no reason to being upset about it, uh, on my end. Uh, if, if something like the weather comes in or they just weren't feeling it that day, that's sort of the, the Liberty I've given to them as the athletes and the coaches is to say, if something changes, you're in control. Like you, you, uh, know what we're trying to do today. Um, you know, push yourself, uh, to, to, the extent that you need to, uh, and then we'll, we'll recover and hit it the next time. And so there's always, it's more of a consistency and uh, long-term type of type of approach than like
0: this one workout. That's awesome. Has word gotten out at all, like in the league, in the state, just in terms of what you guys are doing, or has it been kind of quiet? Like, you know, you've got the staff and you kind of pop in and out, but no one really knows what's going on. You guys are just improving yeah i don't think so. i think it's uh too well known just kind of keeping quiet and doing our thing yeah and uh yeah, i
1: think uh it's it's fun to see some of the people that i raced with and race raced uh, against in high school now be high school coaches at their respective alma maters and so it's fun to kind of run into folks and uh and, and just kind of rub elbows and say hey how you doing and uh you know some of my teammates are, are coaches at colleges now and so it's nice to be able to have. Uh, this this continued network of people that that um, I used to race with, and now now I'm kind of working alongside in some ways.
0: That's cool. And so success you you touched on this a little bit. I saw the four by eight team just broke the school record, qualified for state, right? Yeah,
1: that was my record, so I'm a little little, <laughs> little bummed. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm joking. It was uh it was an awesome night and a huge surprise. I mean, we have. Um, Freshman, uh, we have two two really great freshmen. Uh, one of them was on this team, and uh, and then we have a, a senior that came out who's a tennis player, it was his first track season ever. Um, another senior who also made it in the mile, uh, and then um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the last one. Uh, oh, a sophomore who's who's been a, a huge uh, has had a hugely successful season, and uh, is really dialing things in. Um, so yeah, and they took ten seconds off of their their previous best to to jump down into the low 750s. Um, so yeah, we, we've had uh, success there. It's been a ton of fun. I think what I tried to get across with the guys this for track is that track is just, it's a sport that's so much about speed and power. And so it's been a lot of um, plyometric training, a lot of speed training, and, and the ability to maintain that speed over time. And so um, it, I think they they feel fast, which is important. You know, They feel strong. Um, and that's the cool thing about track is that it's just so it's it's raw and it's it's um, there's no there's no hills or bumps or things to throw you off it's just you and, and the guy next to you and, and the time um, so if they're running fast they're, they're excited about it.
0: What will that put them? Let's say they were on about seven. What was it? Seven fifty two. I think 51. I saw. Yep. Seventy one. Nice. What if they go just dip under a bit or they're low seven fifties? Where does that put them? Do you know historically?
1: That's a good question. So when I when when me and my guys set the record in 2009, our 752 won the state meet. Um, So that that was that was awesome for us. Now, I think it might get you top 10. I'm I'm very much a numbers guy, but I'm also not a numbers guy in a lot of ways. So I don't really know, like the records or the stats or what people are are doing.
0: Um, But it's more uh, competitive now. It's more competitive now. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, That's good uh, to see.
1: Our miler just broke a 30-year-old record. Our two-miler uh, is poised to—he's about a second away. I think I could be wrong on that. And Again, not a huge number of guy when it comes to records and things.
0: Um, but yeah, it's—it's it's been a lot of fun. Do you think the big difference maker is more the strength? That maybe the kids aren't doing too much different in terms of too much differently in terms of running, speed work, mileage. Is that the X factor you would say? Is your, is your focus on, on strength and drills? I, I think so.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's all kind of the same uh, ingredients to the, to the recipe that you're trying to create, you know, the speed, the strength, the the long runs, the thresholds, everything is, we're not really doing anything different. We're certainly not a, a high mileage program either. Um, it's just a, a right combination of the things at the right time. One thing that i put a big emphasis on lately is the, the density of workouts, you know, in, in a two week timeframe, making sure that I'm not doing too much, um, not, making sure that I'm not sticking to this rigid kind of seven day, two workouts, one long run a week kind of framework. Um, you know, if, if I just texted the guys that are racing state today, I said, um, you know, how are you feeling after the Memorial Day weekend? Like, is, uh, do you want to do the workout today or should we push it back? Because we've got that flexibility in our schedule this week. Um, so there's, there's never going to be like a Tuesday is our workout day. There's always going to be that flexibility. And if guys need to take a little bit more time, we'll, we'll take a little bit
0: more time. Oh, that's interesting. So there's no set days in this scenario. You're looking at density um, over a few weeks. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and wait, so state is when this coming weekend? This Saturday. Yep. This Saturday, which is what June? I don't know when we'll release Four? this app. Yeah, it'll be after the after June fourth. June fourth. Okay. Yep. That's awesome! Exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. That's that's cool, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing as always. Thanks for the time. Um, keep us posted. We'll, we'll uh, include anything in the episode intro or the description in terms of developments, um, any updates to see how the team does. But um, what a great success you guys have had already. And it seems like it's just building. It's kind of snowballing. I hope to see the program expand, um, from success and the word, the, as the word gets out, the community you guys are building, it, it would be really neat to see not just the success, but I think that the program will build hopefully. Um, I think naturally that's going to happen. Right. But maybe how big depending on other sports and, um, a lot of other factors in that, that town, but do you think that the program, is that a goal of yours? to kind of grow it or do you not look at it that way in terms of let's get X participation and go out and try and get, you know, a bigger, a bigger team?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the community and culture piece of this is one of the biggest reasons that I joined. Um, It's just being part of that family that meant so much to me when I was in high school and um, being able to just kind of keep that program going and uh, make sure that it it lives up to that same standard that, that my coach gave it. Um, and so now that we've kind of got this these things in in, in, uh, in, in momentum in, in motion um, now it's now it's a matter of building that culture uh, building the team um, making it something that that people want to come out for um, and you know i think it's the community piece is a really big part of it and so getting the parents involved getting the siblings involved um, doing the spaghetti dinners doing the all the summer races and all the fun things like that's that's a really big piece of why we do it
0: that's great i love that man that's kind of what got me into the sport too and i think a lot of um i don't see that as much to be honest um yeah and so i i just wanted to emphasize that and that's great to hear so um awesome well best of luck to you and the team and keep us posted all right yeah thanks so much bye blake good job, man I've been over here